You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you need batteries for your truck, batteries for your trail cameras, TV remote controls, flashlights, you name it, Interstate Batteries has what you need. They have thousands of retail locations all over the United States. So stop in, talk to a battery specialist, or for more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 39, I believe. And speaking of 39, anybody listening to this podcast, I'm sure you guys are well aware, but um, Aaron Weebs and the boys over at Uncut Angling have released season two of 39 Hours. And if you haven't done so, you need to get over there on YouTube and check out their awesome uh, release there. I think there's six episodes and, uh, episode six just got released this week, but, um, the crew over at uncut angling does such a good job of blending, you know, entertainment and education and fishing all into one. And, uh, if you haven't done so, I highly suggest that you, uh, you go check them out. But anyways, on this episode, I am joined by Freddie Wickenizer from the Lake Erie area down in uh, Monroe. And, you know, Freddie and I actually went to school together. He was a year behind me. We played football together on the same team. And throughout this whole process of, uh, you know, going through and growing up in high school, I never knew that, uh, you know, Freddie was a, was a big-time fisherman. But anyways, he's been a huge supporter of the podcast. We've kept in touch over the years. And he's becoming um, quite, the, quite the Lake Erie guru and doing a great job of, uh, you know, putting some big fish in the boat. But the reason why I wanted to have Freddie on here is because he kind of talks about his growing pains of how he got started and making that leap to, you know, start to go on Erie and figure out how to troll, what setups were working for him, what rod holders were working for him. And actually, it gets into some of the questions a lot of you listeners have written in about asking, you know, things like what rod holders, um, you know, what kind of setup that some folks are doing for trolling and things like that. And I think Freddie can save us all a bunch of money on uh, maybe some things, uh, the proper things to buy and things that he had to kind of go through and some of the growing pains that he spent money on. But uh, he's got it dialed in now, shares a bunch of great information. So uh, give it up for Freddie. Here we go. He's on. We're rolling. Yep. I'm here at the house of Freddie Wickenizer. And on the shores, I guess technically the shores of Lake Erie, right? Yeah, Sterling State, right down the road. <laughs> Did you strategically pick this location <laughs> of your house because you're so close to Erie? Nah, with uh, the wife and I, schedule kind of works out for both of us being between Detroit and Toledo. So, oh, she works in Toledo. Well, she works in Lambertville. Oh, just okay. Stones throw away, but uh, yeah, I work in between Detroit and Toledo quite a bit. Kind of have a goofy schedule, so works out best for us. Now we went to school together. Yep. I didn't know, or I didn't know you to be a fisherman in high school. Yeah. Have you always been fishing? Yeah, um, I kind of got into it, I guess, in a sort of way to answer the question. It would be as a uh, 
as a kid going up with my stepdad up to my uncle's cabin uh would have been grand lake up that way okay and it was like the winter time we'd go up there and he'd be going out with my uncle mick we'd be going out uh ice fishing i always wanted to it was kind of as a kid growing up it was kind of one of those things i never really got to go out and enjoy with the uncle's walleye fishing you know it was like i'd always go out perch fishing or they'd set me up on shore we can go from shore quite a bit so it was always one of those things when i had free time i always had you know ultralight and i had something medium heavy and i'd go from shore even my wife and i you know would go right down the road sterling state park go from shore go with someone's pond a relative something like that so yeah it was always something i, I wanted to get into well the walleye side of things is always very serious right everyone takes yeah. it very serious <laughs> yeah it's not uh it's not something where <laughs> you know you want to get someone unseasoned it's not like watching the bobber yeah know, most of the time at least around here on lake erie so. i know i mean it's one of those things where it's like a lot of folks who don't walleye fish um a they just don't know how to get started right so it's like yeah. you know they're, yeah. they're used to growing up fishing on inland lakes or you know whatever the the, the the scenario is but then like you say you want to get into to walleye fishing you know a lot of folks don't realize you can catch it on the same tackle that you can catch bass or whatever oh yeah um again the other hard part too is growing up and fishing on inland lakes is which inland lakes have walleye where yes. to find them on inland lakes because it's different than fishing them on bodies of water like let's say erie yeah absolutely so it's a lot different but yeah and on erie it's not a uh, something you can do from shore say all year round you know there's a right. limited period to do that and most of the time when any of my uncles would take me out on their boat and we would go after walleye it would be jigging blade right. baits hair jigs i mean that's something i did you know uh i'll say middle school high school a little bit here and there yeah um remember going on some charters going with my uncles going out there and doing that so that's what got me into walleye fishing was the jig bite on area which it's kind of funny it's not really the most popular way for most people to catch walleye it's right. trolling for the most part you know it's it's not the most popular but it's a great way to get someone into it yeah absolutely you know what i mean like yeah. especially like if you think about people's setups you know we're going to get into this but the folks who don't troll mm -hmm. and but maybe just have a boat and they have a couple rods and uh you know their boat is big enough just to go out on slightly windy days they can head up detroit river yeah. here in the next few months and you know april and may and yep. uh you know they can they can latch onto those walleye bites that they hear about yeah absolutely and i'm, I'm glad you said that because it kind of hit on something i want to touch on at least a little bit one of the reasons how i how it basically got started why i wanted to get into it was because it wasn't a lot you had to do up front most people already have a medium light medium rod something they jig with the detroit river or something you know, the old man got them years ago. You know, it doesn't, you don't have to have something super, super expensive to go out there and jig. I mean, most days you can go out there, you don't even need to drift sock. And if you do, it's 20 bucks, 30 bucks, right. bell, something like that. Yep. So it doesn't take a whole lot. You know, you don't need a trolling motor. You don't need nothing. You just rely on the wind, you know, which it's not really too much of a problem on Erie on most days. You know, there's kind of a sweet spot with, we can get into that later, kind of a, a sweet spot that you need two jig but it's nothing nothing super complicated it's real simple real easy and i actually had uh my brother-in-law and one of my nephews out there with me last year and they'd never done it before and they had an absolute blast you know but it's kind of one of those things bright and early in the day you want to get out there first light and you can, it can be lights out i mean i've caught a midday too oh yeah I had really good days but last year it just seemed to be you know we'd hit it first thing in the morning go out there right as the sun was coming up launching boat going right on out there you know whether we were going 
down out of Bowles or going out of Sterling State Park. I mean, it's real popular out, you know, off the reefs on Ohio waters too. Yeah, yep. Um, I'd say that's where the majority of people are doing it. But um, you know, there's some great spots locally that you can do, and it's not too hard. But last year it was one of those things you had to be out there right <clears throat> as soon as the sun, sun was coming up, and then we'd slow down, we'd go to trolling. So you know, besides the weather, which you obviously always have to monitor and you have to control and yep. keep an eye on, people got to realize the boat traffic. Because the boat traffic in the Detroit River in April and May is severely congested. Unless yeah. you you go a long ways to get away from it. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're down by the mouth and all the way up to, the, you know, we call it the golf course or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be really congested. Yeah. So the, that's the, the wait time's the launch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another thing I'm just popped in my head. Um, there's only going to be one bridge, I guess, going to... That's right. I saw Pro that. Zeal, so that's going to be... I mean, the, what is it? The uh, I don't launch out of I Elizabeth. Launch out of, yeah, Elizabeth. You, See, I launch out of Lake Erie Metro, and so typically, if, you, if you're south of Elizabeth, yeah. or, which is right where the bridge is at, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. That that's the free bridge. The only one that you're going to be able to take, the only one that's going to be open, is going to be further north. The the, no, the northernmost bridge. So you're screwed so, if you're south of there. Uh, I mean. I work for the railroad, so going south or going north, anytime there's um, during rush hour, yeah, uh, the one bridge when it was closed, the free bridge, the south bridge by Elizabeth Park, yeah, right. Um, when it was only the toll bridge was the only one open, <laughs> there was such a backup. I mean, I couldn't imagine yeah. going through there. So I, I imagine during rush hour around that time if you're not one of those guys there at four or five in the morning it'll probably be rough there a lot but, of a, a lot of listeners even listening to this there's a lot of pressure when you get to boat launches if there's a weight and things like yeah. that but i remember going to elizabeth park two years ago and to get in there <laughs> there was probably 30 trucks and trailers ahead of me just to get in there and i was there yeah. you know they only open at i think it's like 6 a.m or maybe yeah, it's even earlier at 5 30 there's a line lining up on the road outside of there so yeah, when they open shops the, everything they're ready so when you open the gates, you better have your shit buckled up, ready to go. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's like a prep lane. It is. You know? <laughs> and I remember the night before, all my batteries, I hooked them up. They were good to go. And, you know, I, I told my buddies to be here at this time. Like, if you guys aren't there, you know, I'm leaving you at the launch. There's no way I'm going to have you embarrass me to come back and yeah, that right. kind of thing. Everybody showed up on time and, you know, we were getting ready to launch. And I remember my, you know, I had someone... Uh, I showed my brother or somebody like that how to start my 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 motor, and I was back in the boat and I was gonna go park the trailer somewhere else. But he was telling me he's like, man, it's not starting, it's not starting. I was like, Chad, I know it's starting. Yeah, it's got it. I just I just did it last yeah. night. The battery's fully charged, and sure as shit, I got back there. My battery's dead for some reason. Left the power. Left the master power switch on yeah and i didn't care about anything <laughs> other than everyone behind me thinking like what is this, this guy, guy doing because I'm, I'm 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 keeping up a, a spot at the you know at the dock for a launching yeah. uh, for someone else to launch and i was just like holy shit yeah. so oh, we yeah. heard oh road rage it's worse than boat ramp right. I mean, dude, I, there's so many stories and you're not the only one i mean i, I have some from uh, pure this panic. year yeah you know i mean like you know people either not having their boat prepped or yeah yeah, yeah. you know wanting to do different stuff at the launches but yeah i mean it's that's that was a learning curve for me too you know with yeah. having my own boat once i i wasn't the one going out there and even before uh even when i was going out on my buddy's boat or a guy I used to work with or a guy i work with now uh you know i remember going out there elizabeth park first time ever going never been there before not knowing what to expect going with a buddy i think he'd been there with another friend once or twice first time with his boat right you know and uh it was just it's a learning curve you know you just gotta have patience i mean it's just yeah. sometimes it's hard to bite your tongue 
or you know go out there and you know do you want to go out there and offer the guy a hand is he going to be offended right you're trying to rush him yeah, yeah. sometimes the best is just kick back not be in a hurry but you know, wake up early bird gets yeah. a worm i'm with being so close i mean it's got kind of a running joke you know my buddy he's retired the one of the guys i mainly fish with all the time uh you've probably seen some of the posts uh, yeah, oh yeah kevin we go out there quite a bit and it's kind of funny because he'll have uh like a running clock you know he's always if you're you know if you're there on time you're late <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. 15 minutes early 10 oh, minute yeah. deal so like i think one time this year i think he was a minute late oh geez you know like that's it other than that he's he's there early so oh, yeah. you know if i tell him i've, I've kind of smartened up i'll tell him you know i'll be there 6 15 6 30 you know just in case you're <laughs> yeah. with my daughter getting her up <laughs> right, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. whatever the case may be you know getting gas topping off the boat whatever yeah so, it's kind of funny a lot of people don't realize too but you know when you go to elizabeth you're launching in the current right there yeah so you know it's not like you've got this nice big protected you know bay or launch and then you could drive out into it it's a little protected and, by a rock wall yeah, but, I, was, I was gonna say there's a rock wall behind that so you kind of got to be careful right. too with the high water level well so last year that rock was buried that rock wall yeah, was buried water it high, was up. Yeah, exactly right. from yeah. all the rain we got last spring so a lot of guys you seen driving over the top of it or not knowing it was there and i was just like cringing like i don't know how deep that is but i know where it's at <laughs> it's the same thing with sterling state park um coming out of the no wake zone yeah okay um so on the more south side yeah um when you launch your boat and you start heading down towards detroit beach boat club it's right down here right down the road yeah um a lot of people as soon as you get past that first like the marshy area would be like to the east right, right? Yeah, yes um a lot of people as soon as you clear that they'll take off right and they'll go right dead to the right 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 because they see the lake they see the opening and you can go right on out but there's man, another stretch what, right there where you can't go there's telling no you what they, they have it dredged out and yeah. you got to go you just take it straight and people that launch early in the year they, they might forget or they might take a little cut early but the most people you can kind of tell like the new guys they're the people that aren't from around the area they'll cut right and go right across it and man i'm not telling you it's, it's maybe a couple one to two foot deep and you'll see people go out and make it right, and then you'll see them glance at their fish finder, their graph, and you'll see them cut left and follow the rest of the boats. You know, they you see the a shortcut going You see out. the sheriff sitting there a lot for trying to get guys on no wakes or no? No, I'm, I'm not going to say no, they're never there because that'll be, you know, they'll be there this year. All right. Um, they monitor the area. There's a lot of DNR traffic. I will say this um, the guard shack isn't too far away from the boat launch. Okay. And there's a lot of people in the summertime, um, you know, cutting grass, weed whacking whatever the case may be, driving through in their vehicle or whatever, um, they'll monitor the no-wake zone. If they see you, you know, coming in on, on plane or creating a pretty big wake, they may say something to you. Um, I've never seen them there, you know, at the boat club or anywhere else, kind of seeing how rough it is. I'm kind of surprised or not, but no, it's nothing I've, I've really noticed. Right. So we got, we're talking about, you know, kind of our beginnings of like, obviously we both got the walleye bug, right? Yeah, absolutely. It kind of started in the river for me as well. So, you know, even growing up for myself, um, you know, I would have buddies take me out and that's where we went was, it was always in the springtime and, yep. you know, being younger, you just, I don't know if, you know, it was just me myself, but it was hard for me to dissect of, you know, why are the fish in the river this time of year? I just mm -hmm. thought we we're going fishing and having a good time. And that's <laughs> yeah, the way I grew up. Fishing. Yeah, it looks like a good spot. Yeah. yeah. And as you get older, you get, you know, more obsessed with things and you start to figure out like, okay, so they're in the river this time of year. Why? Because, you know, the temperature is perfect. 43 degrees, the 47 yeah. degrees, they're here to spawn. Okay. Yeah. And then they move out back out to, um, you know, they're going to go back out into the, the shallows of Erie and they're going to feed, right? Because they yeah. just got done spawning. So now they're going to start feeding. And so, you know, that's what, really got me interested into walleye and catching the walleye bug was 
to know where they're at all times of the year. And it's in, in Erie, anyone who's ever fished Erie, you know, I'm, I don't want to bore you guys to death, but anybody who hasn't, mm -hmm. you know, A, it's an intimidating body of water. Oh, yeah. It's a dangerous body of water because it's so shallow. A lot of folks don't realize it being a great lake. It's more like a, um, I forget who said this before. I think it was, it could have been Lance Valentine on my very first podcast described it to me. It's more like a river. Yeah. Right, because the water's all flowing down from the other Great Lakes. They're coming down. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a current right there's a, through it. Everything. There's a current on through it. If you, I mean, if you, even if you, <laughs> I had the fortunate luck of back in 2013 ice fishing it, yeah. and you don't realize how strong that current is because when oh, we yeah. would drop our jigs down um, out by West Sister, they would go down, and then you'd be jigging, but you're jigging like four feet behind you mm -hmm. because the current was so great. It's not like in a, a traditional ice hole where it dropped straight down. You could see your jig. It was way back. And so uh, I, it really put it in perspective for me of like how fast that current is. And, you know, basically what the walleye do from, or what they do from what I understand is, you know, this time of year, they're all migrating back to the West, right? Yep. From the East side yep. of the lake. Constant flow back and forth throughout the year. Exactly. They it's just back and forth. The other, one Exa side to the other. Exactly. So right now they're starting to come back West. And, you know, when we were ice fishing um, during those cold winters, we were out there this time of year and that's what the fish were doing. They were migrating and coming back up. And that's when you start to see really big fish, females full of eggs, yep. things like that. Yep. And um, so the reason why I wanted to kind of get you on the podcast is one you're just down the road for me yeah two i hope we fish a lot here in the future together yeah, absolutely i was looking forward to and then uh three is you know anybody who wants to begin this cycle of um trying to fish erie mm -hmm. let's break it down from of you know kind of the the things you went through and what you found to be productive um when when going out on this body of water so let's let's just break it right down from let's, the start from the start you went out and you got yeah. a newer boat yeah well I'll, I'll back it up and say uh what got me going was a guy I used to work with before i got on the railroad yeah um a real good buddy of mine still to this day still keep contact with 10 years later whatever it is still go out and fish together during the uh post spawn i'll go out and i'll start jigging okay blade baits hair jigs so that's what got me that's what really got me started because I'd, I'd had prior experience doing it in the past and, mm -hmm. you know, drifted with crawler harnesses, you know what I mean? Right. Never had real much success drifting like that. But a uh, buddy of mine would take me out in his boat and uh, he started out with like a polar craft or had something small and then he upgraded the different boat. We had a blast, you know, going out there and just jigging, bring my own rod, you know, I was walking to the dock, helping him watch, going out there and it was fun, you know what I mean? And, and he kicked my ass quite a bit jigging yeah. and you don't think it's... It's it's similar to the river, you know. Uh, everything's spread out. You don't have the boat traffic. You got everything to yourself. You know, gotta take a piss. You go over the boat. You right. can do it. You, know, you gotta worry about nothing. Yeah, you know, yeah. you got privacy. You don't have boats going in. You don't have the the wake and anything. So my buddy really got the got me addicted to it early on, and I was always looking for that because we got out at three. You know, early afternoon, we go out on the lake. You know, right after work, if it was nice out, we'd go out. Yep. You know, quite a bit during the spring. And then when the jig bite would die off, you know, it was perch season. I got another buddy that had another boat. So I was always tagging along with someone else. Right. I got you. And uh, once I got the job with the railroad, it was kind of difficult with my schedule to be able to go out and do anything on my own. Um, you know, I was by myself at home quite a bit waiting for people to get off of work. And I was like, you know, what? I like having a boat. I'd go out and I'd go fish from, from shore. I would. 
with nothing else to do. And yeah, it was fun. And I'd sit there and see all the boats going by. And like, man, you know, one Damn. day, one day, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, one day you're going to have that boat. You oh, know, yeah, I got it, you. It, the one foot itis. You're going to, yeah, you, yeah. you got this boat, you want something bigger. Yep. Well, it's no different when you're sitting there from shore seeing everyone going by and they're nice, you know, fancy boats. Yeah, that'd be a nice one right there. Yeah. Well, finally, I pulled the trigger, told my wife, you know, we got married and one has to start a family. I say, hey, look, like, let me, one thing, you yeah. know, got the boat. She let me get it. So. Yeah. And she goes out there with me quite a bit. And that first year, man, I was, it was a steep learning curve. Cause you know, I went out once I put, once I had the down payment, I mean, I had my trolling set up, everything like my trolling rods, reels. I mean, I had, before I even had the boat, you're just ready to go. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm other people, you know, that uh, held my hand out there, you know, Hey, you know, teach me the ropes, you know, cause I didn't have the a father figure or something like that, that had a boat that could yeah. do that. It was always an uncle or a buddy that, yeah. Hey, you free, you know, so you're always waiting for that yeah. um, opportunity to go out and go fishing. So I just did it myself you tell know, instead, you, of, instead of waiting for someone else to do it for me, you know, tell everybody the boat that you got. Um, it's, a it's a 17 or 18. I've had it going on four years now. Okay. Um, it's a Lund, uh, impact. Yeah. 1775. Um, got the walkthrough windshield. Um, so as a full windshield, that was a kind of a deal breaker for my wife. You know, my one right. buddy, he has a buddy that showed me the ropes a little bit. Noah, he has a, a single console boat. Uh, my buddy, Chad, that I used to work with, he has a boat that's 1875, a foot bigger than what mine is. So you don't have to have like the stereotypical big glass boat to go out. It'd on be nice. Area. But I mean, how many people can afford something yeah. like that used? You know, that, that was another thing never owning my own boat you know driving sparingly on other people's boats it's yeah. kind of intimidating just to jump you know jump in head first sure but i was anything with a wheel four-wheeler a truck a dirt bike whatever i've i can drive it yeah you know i'm comfortable i can do it so i wasn't too nervous about it but it was just something that uh it was just something that i wanted and i wanted to get into and i wanted to get I wanted to kind of have, right? Kind of forgot where I was going with it. What, what was it at? No, we're good. We're just getting into I, the reason. Well, the boat I got, right? Yeah, the boat you got. So the reason why I wanted to say that is like, again, we're kind of breaking this down for everybody listening about how to get in to attack the eerie, yeah, eerie yeah, yeah. waters. And I just didn't want the listeners to feel like, you know, this is yeah, this big body of yeah, water, dangerous right. wave. So I didn't yep. want them to feel like they have to have a glass boat. All right, that buddy that I was talking about, we went to Elizabeth Park and launching his boat. It was the first time I've ever been there. Sixteen yeah. foot bayliner, no okay. trolling motor. Okay. We went to go jig the river. Oh. With no trolling mode. Oh. We're young. You know right. what? Uh, talking yeah. about that learning curve. We were that guy. We tried anchoring up and you see people, you know, we didn't oh, know. Shit. We're young, you know, but you know, yeah, yeah, you say, oh shit now. Yeah. And I would say the same thing right. now, but back then you didn't know any better. Right. You know, not having that person to kind of teach you the ropes, we're learning on the fly. Sure. You know, that's what we were doing. Yeah, we were that guy and you learn. Yeah. <laughs> you learn pretty quick, especially out there, you oh, know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, I would, Started going out on a 16 foot boat mm-hmm. out on here. And you see them out there. You see guys on a nice day, 14 footers. You can go out there when it's glass. You know, you can, you can get it, you can get it done in a 16 foot. I wouldn't want to, you can do it on most days, but it's, it's rough. I mean, it's, my boat's not the biggest one around. It's, you know, a deep V. Um, you know, I got a backup. I just got the kicker this year on it. Uh, so it's going on its second year now. Um, I got that for backup just to have, cause it's, it's eerie, man. You know, we were talking about earlier, you touched on a little bit about how dangerous Erie can kind of be, you know what I mean? Um, I remember last spring, a buddy and I were up uh, fishing Estro Beach. Yep. Um, north of north of Fermi, uh, kind of towards the mouth of the Detroit River, yep. where it spills into uh, the lake. 
and we were out there fishing, trolling for a little bit. Um, the Fermi stacks, you got the Fermi and the coal burner, the Monroe power plant. You can see the stacks from quite a ways. It's kind of a landmark, you know, any fishing show or someone's pictures, you know, you can kind of see the stacks were going straight up and five, 10 minutes later, it's laying flat, laying flat right out of the West. It went dead flat. I'm talking within five minutes, made a pass, turn around, get everything set, hit my heading lock on my uh, trolling motor, kind of look back, gather everything, look at the stacks, they're laying flat. And you can see the ripples on the water. And that's another thing for someone new, the ripples on the water kind of tells a little story about what's going to happen if it's starting to calm down or not. You can kind of read the waves after a little bit. But getting back to that, I saw it and I told my buddy Kevin, I'm like, man, I don't know. You know, we launched out of bowls right. and we had, you know, I think it's maybe 10 miles, you know, straight as a crow flies, maybe, yeah. maybe 10 miles about from where we were at. And I was like, man, I was like, what do you say we get a little closer to home? You know, just, it, we weren't lighting them on fire anyway. You know, it wasn't like the bite was that good, but it's getting towards the end of the day. You know, we had a pretty good day anyway and uh, want to get close. So we pack up and we make our way through Breast Bay right on down, go out in front of the coal burner and it's getting coal burner stacks are laying down. And as soon as we got by like the hot hole area, I don't know if you're yeah. familiar oh, with yeah. that, where like yeah. the, the warm water discharge yep. out of the coal plant. Yep. As soon as we got past there, there was like a southwest wind and we were in like one to two footers and white capping and building. Oh shit. Yeah. And I mean, uh, having that boat, it's not the biggest in the world. You definitely would, if money wasn't an option, yeah, everyone would have a glass boat. Right. You know, everyone yeah. would have or a 21 foot, 20 foot sure. GP. Sure. Money, not an option. Fortunately, got to pay bills along with it. You yeah. Know? So uh, make do, and we took our time. That's another thing. It's just, you know, I never drove a boat in rough conditions. So that was another learning curve where, you know, buddy just told me, hey, you ain't got to get up on plane, man. Just plow them. Right. You know, get up 8 to 12 mile an hour and plow them. Make your way back. It's not a hurry. Can't ever be in a hurry out there. Right. You know, so it, it was, uh, there was a steep learning curve, and there was a lot of people that helped me along the way. But that was, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, you just had to be aware because you always hear in the back of your mind, hey, and it's kicked up out of nowhere, kicked up out of nowhere. And you can see those waves and you got nice rollers and you got the little ripples. If you ever pay attention to it, you got the little ripples that are on the water and you can kind of feel the breeze along with it. Right. When it starts to build, you'll get little ripples on top of the waves. Okay. You know, and it'll start building and building and building. And five, 10 minutes later, you know, the one footer turned into two footer. Right. You know? And it can get worse the further offshore you go, you know. Well, I mean, there's so much, there's so many different protection, uh, you know, along that west side of Erie that there's yeah. bays, there's, you know, there's little inlets and things like that that uh, can really throw you for a loop. But that's a good thing is pay attention to the smokestacks, what Absolutely. they're doing. Absolutely. Use it to your advantage because, I mean, right. I, I live right here. I can see it out my front door. Right. I can see it out my window. I go up the, you know, upstairs. I can look out and I can kind of see what it looks like. So I kind of have an idea of what's going on, but out there on the water, you know, it, it, it can kind of fool you a little bit because the forecast the night before and Windfinder, whatever app you right. use, will say, you know, um, let's say west wind, you know, seven mile an hour mm -hmm. for the first three hours with gust of 12 and then, you know, calm for late morning, afternoon for something that's a little dicey, but it might be a go. You get out there and it's flat calm. Right. You know, I, I there was a buddy out there that I network with a little bit. We fished together. Uh, we were out there in the fall. Stacks are laying flat, flat down. And it was maybe a foot, foot waves, nothing, you know? It, so it's kind of, it's kind of goofy different times of year, you know, November, November winds, anything in the fall, you know, it can kind of be. November scary. Be with iffy, you know? And, and, and as weird as it sounds, but like, you know, think of summer storms, right? That blow up. So like, I remember like <laughs> late July, August, like you'll just sunny, 85, 90 degrees, sweltering mm -hmm. heat. 
and just think of those evening storms that roll in, just like, you know, if you're back home, the same thing happens out yep. on the Erie, you know, things yep. like that. But yeah, you just got to be careful. But I, th- yeah. I think that's great for people to get a perspective on is a, okay, going to Erie, I have that 16, I have that 17, that 18 yeah. foot aluminum boat. So I know I'm going to be okay there as long as I choose my day. Uh, yeah. On most days, and you just got to be smart with it. You know, it's, if you're fishing the coastline, I'll go, it's the same thing for fishing Ohio. If you got like a South wind, a Southwest winds. And another thing that comes into effect out there is the islands. Sure. You know, um, you might be able to snake on through, take your time, you know, do that plow and make your way out there nice and easy. Yep. Get on, you know, the West side of the Island or the East side of the Island, whatever. I mean, there's, you know, there's great fishing out yep, there. Yep. You know, absolutely. Um, I mean, some of the best fishing. It's you know, it's almost like a they funnel channel you right in between yeah. the islands. Pretty pretty easy fishing. Yeah, that's no secret. Yeah, <laughs> not uh, at all. Um, okay, so now someone wants to come down and they want to fish Erie. Yeah. So kind of talk about some of the growing pains that you went through. And and folks, probably you would agree the best way to fish Erie for the most part, if you can, is to get into that trolling setup. Yes. And it's a great way to learn how to troll. It's an expensive way. And it's an, ex- okay, it's expensive way. Talk about that. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, once I knew I was going to pull the trigger and I liked fishing anyway. So anyone that had a boat and liked fishing, we were immediately friends. Yeah. You know, um, so some of the friends I made at my new job, my last job, you know, I wanted to get in trolling, wanted to know more about it. You know, it's like anything else. You want to find out how to catch the fish. Yeah. So I saw a couple different ways how people, you know, had their rod holders, you know, um, the setups they used, the trolling rods they used, um, the planer boards, what style, the big boards, you know, that run out on cable, yep. you know, you set them on out or, you know, the inline planer boards. So I got to see the different setups, what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, so I kind of had an idea of what I wanted. Well, I got the boat and I went through, I think, two different sets of rod holders. <laughs> I bought, you know, it was great. I was at the store. Everyone knows. I uh, went to the store and they had uh, like a six pack of rod holders. I'm like, hey, look at right here. This is a good story because actually, when I went, when I when I sent out, uh, you know, that request for folks to submit, like, what do they want to hear more mm-hmm. about? I'd say up there, number two request was setups for rod holders yeah. on their boats and how people set up. So I'm interested to hear the story. Yeah. So, you know, everything being new and not having someone there, you know, everyone. Uh, like I said, I was out there. I was asking people to take me out, wanting to see what they got. You know, even if it's for a trip, I don't care how good the fishing is. I just want to see how you operate, you know, how you yeah. go out there in the water. So the rod holders, my, my my wife and I are at the store. I remember we just went out there, had time to kill. And I saw a six-pack rod holders. You know, it was, seemed like a decent deal. Looked at it. Yeah, it'll hold a rod, you know. It's kind of like my buddies, you know, had a cradle. You yeah. know what I mean? It set the rod and the reel right in there. Had like a little... Uh, indentation for the reel to set in looked really nice. Get it on the boat, everything's good. You know, got the sport track at $45 a piece or whatever it is from Lund. Yeah. The sport track system, you know what I mean? You got to have that piece for each one. Yeah, they just screw into your your gunnel or whatever it is. You know, and it's the way Lund has it set up. I'm not knocking them, but I mean, it's clever on their part. It's a specific way that they have it set up for this rod holder. And Cisco and Trax Tech and whoever else has now, you know, has the CNC part on there. So I got it set on there, 45 bucks a pop, times six, got it in there. And the rods, I get to start trolling in summer, I get a sheephead on. Well, this great deal I thought was a great deal, get a sheephead on, and the rod bends right on over, and there goes the rod holder, and it doesn't hold the rod very well. About <laughs> lost, you know, $120, $150 rod and reel setup, you know? Yep. So I learned pretty quick that those, um, those uh, rod 
holders weren't going to work out too well. So I ended up going to uh, Scotty uh, Rod Holders, that well, buddy I work with, Noah. Um, he kind of set me up with what he runs, and I liked it. It worked well. It's, I mean, it's plastic, but, it, I mean, it's, you know, the real thick grade of plastic. You can Google it, you know, Scotty Rod Holders. Yeah, they're great. It. And they're, yeah. almost, they're almost like, it's like that that cradle that the, the reel sits in. It's almost like a thick, yeah. rubbery, um, not soft, but, like, more accommodating yep. for the real. It's not like super hard, brittle pro- uh, plastic or anything like that. I no. really like the Scotty Rod Yeah, holders. so it was, it was really great once I went to those. Um, you know, and now I got it set up. I can run, you know, 12 rods, you know, out of my boat, which it sounds crazy, but in Michigan, run three rods a person, now Ohio, which is great. Right. You know, not, you don't have to worry about crossing the line over right. here. Um, you know, three rods a person. It's nothing for me to go out there and run nine rods, you know? So when you're, when you're, okay, so let's think about just, let's say port side of your boat, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Now, when you put your rod holders on that track, are you setting them at different height levels as you go back towards the, towards the bow? Yeah. It's just makes it easier for me. Um, when setting the rods in and out, you know, when you got a fish on or you're changing colors or changing lead lengths, you know, for your depth, depth curve. Uh, makes it easier setting them in there yeah. and then they run a little truer the, yep. the further you send them out so for me that's what i like other people you know i've ran with other other friends and their rod holders are just as good but there was no way that what i started out with it wasn't gonna work it sounded great and it would have been fine for i don't know a little inland lake where you just need need to hold the rod you're not trolling yeah because while you're trolling i mean you got the weight of the board and if you're running inline weights or bottom bouncers or whatever the case may be uh you know, there's a lot of stress on that rod holder, yep. you know, especially the faster speed you go. So that didn't last. I hadn't learned a lesson on that. That wasn't too expensive. What was more expensive lesson to learn was my trolling rods. And I'm on my third set because I kind of, you know, I told you I bought my trolling rods before I had my boat because I knew I was getting a boat. So it was a great deal. Another same buddy that I went out with that turned me on the rod holders kind of told me about how good of a deal there was on these trolling rods. So I got these trolling rods. It was great problem was i only bought four you know so michigan running three lines right. and i didn't think about ah, four will be good i'll buy a couple more later on you know what i mean yeah next paycheck whatever it is you know put a little money aside to the fishing pot yeah well it was a cabela's exclusive from Daiwa. Uh-huh. great great rods great reels and i love the reels um the only problem was beans it was exclusive cabela's owned the rights to the blank of oh, that rod. okay so when they stopped making it or stopped Telling Daiwa, hey, I need a uh, thousand rods for Dundee. Sure, sure. Can't get it. That's done. So I tried to find another, you know, I remember it was medium heavy, moderate action. Medium heavy rod, moderate action, eight foot six, telescoping rod. Teles- that, was my, that was my next question. Yep. Telescoping. My, with my Lund, I can fit, I think, an eight foot or seven foot six, eight foot. I can fit in my rod storage. Gotcha. 10, 12 rods I can hold in there. So these Daiwas telescoped all the way down. It was great. I just needed more. Well, my OCD wouldn't let me have different kinds of trolling rods. Right. I wanted everything. Got a brand new boat, motors. You match. want everything to match, yeah, man. Yeah, you know what I mean? I didn't want out there with something <laughs> all hacked up. It was not a problem with it, but for me, I just, I couldn't do it. So I, uh, I still got the, those Daiwa rods, but I went and got some Denali's. Uh, real nice, expensive. And that's another thing. Getting started, you don't need to spend a ton of money on trolling rods. That was, you can. Yeah. You can. There's nothing wrong with that. No, but I wanted to touch on that. So like... You know, what I always hear, and I think it's good advice, is when it comes to trolling, spend more money on the line counters and the reels Absolutely. than you can in the, the rods. Reels, the reels I have are the Daiwa C-Line um, LC5s. Okay. That was the ones that are Cabell's exclusive. Um, 
the LC threes. There are three ball bearing. That's the only difference. Okay. Uh, the, between the color and the rod or the reel. I'm sorry. The 27 series, um, not the AccuDepth, the C line. Um, the only difference is the ball bearings in them. Um, you know the amount of them. So I got one of the threes. The rest are all fives. Go on Facebook Marketplace. I bought everyone I could find. Rebuild them. Get them all working properly. Whatever. Got a buddy to help me out with it. So I have plenty of reels, and the reels are the most expensive thing. And another thing is to make sure they're calibrated yeah. right off the rip. That's number one thing. Because yeah. after that, I can't tell you, hey Lee, fifty-five, you know, fifty-five uh, feet back off the board, perfect. Yep. You know what I mean? Because it might be sixty-five to you or yep. sixty-five. And then you run so. at different depths, and then you know the fish yep. are very specific now, of where they're going to bite at. The, so the trolling rods. Getting back to that to answer your questions, trolling rods. They're great. It's a great thing to have. Is a nice. A nice rod that you want to spend the money on. You take a little bit more care of it. You know, you're going to watch it a little bit more from that rod's laying down on the boat. Sure. If you lay it down. But it's trolling. You're not waiting for that bite. You're not feeling the bite like you do jigging the river, jigging the lake, right. perch, fish, and wallet, whatever. It's not a, a feeling the bite. You're looking, you're watching your planer board. Mm -hmm. You just want that rod to absorb any of the head shakes. If you're, I mean, most people are using mono that are pulling inline boards. I know in Ohio, a lot of the guys that are pulling the big boards, um, even some of them even do it pulling in lines will run braid um but that rod absorbs a lot of the head shakes absorbs a lot of the fight from the fish and the mono helps a little bit of that with the head shakes braid you can get yourself in a little bit of trouble that's like someone if you got coming from you know uh the mid other part of the country you know midwest or something like that coming out here uh lead core is pretty popular yeah uh braid's pretty popular trolling it, it's i'm not saying it's going to ruin your day but you may lose a fish or two. Right. You know, and that fish or two that you come out here for Erie, you're not coming here to catch eaters. Most right. people, some people are out here to catch 50 fish or something like that, you know, which you can do. But most people are coming out to Erie. It's a destination. Just like when we go on our destination fishing trips or something like that. Right. You know, you're up there to catch a big one. Right. You don't want that to be the one that gets away at the boat. Sure. You know, with a head shake or yeah. something like that. So the rods, that's something you can upgrade down the road. Your reels, you want to get something that's read some reviews you know don't don't listen to all oh, these these are junk these are bad i mean even my opinion just take it you know take it for what it's worth and read some reviews because you're gonna have a lot of people giving positive and negative feedback on everything right and you're not going to get into this thing without changing some kind of part of your program right so you're not going to be able to be like all right i'm set up and i'm set up for life now this is the only thing yeah yeah, yeah yeah you got to be able to adapt you know stuff's gonna break stuff's gonna break yeah. you know you're gonna new rods are gonna come out you know there's deal. always the latest and greatest coming yeah out. there's gonna be deals out there so that second rod that you bought to kind of uniform your your <laughs> second of three second of three <laughs> did you go eight foot again uh i went eight well they were eight foot six eight the, foot six, the okay. diwas were eight foot six i'm like all right well i can't find the medium heavy i went with a medium eight foot six well the thing with um uh, the Denali's that I have, they don't collapse. They don't telescope in as far as the die was. Mm. They wouldn't fit in my rod locker. Ah. Ended up snapping off a tip on one of them. Had to wait like two months to get a replacement. It was replaced. I got it replaced, but it was free. But I had to wait for that. Yeah. So I sold those and I went to the eight footers. So I still got the Denali's. They're great. Only downfall that I have found is, you know, you've seen what I, when I've been fishing. I mean, I haven't had my boat up yet. Right. You know, all winter I've been I think the longest I went this year was two weeks, you know, when I was down in Texas for Thanksgiving without fishing. So in these cold temps, when it's below freezing, the Denali's you got to watch, they have really small eyelets and they'll tend to freeze, you know, running the board in, running it out, clearing lines, whatever it is. They'll, the guides will ice up a little bit. 
So that's one thing I've kind of found, but I mean, it's on an extreme case when you're out there, wind blowing around 32 degrees, they'll, they'll lock up a little bit. But um, that basically in a nutshell, the rods, you can cheap out on them a little bit just to start off. Are you running offshores or are you running churches? I've ran both. Um, currently, I'm running the offshores, and I had another buddy that turned me on to those from climbing on the boat with someone else. You know, the yeah. way you're doing it's not always the right way or the right. best way. And, you know, I've learned things from everyone I fish with. And the one guy that I work with now, Noah, he's he's taught me a lot just a few times I've been out there with him or talking with him. I got another buddy that ran him. Um, they're actually brother-in-laws, Noah and Tony. And uh, Tony's the one that taught me about the releases. And that's one of the greatest things. That was a selling point for me. I love it. Because for years, well, <laughs> years, I say it like I've been fishing, trolling forever. The years that I had the church boards, I had the, the TX, I think it's the 22s, the mini boards. Um, I saw Captain Ken out at Cabela's. He turned me on to him. I was out there buying some stuff. He's like, ah, don't get those. Try these out. And I tried them. I love them. You know, the little walleye boards, not the big ones, the TX-12s. They were the 22s and minis. Ran them. I liked them. I mean, you could have a little uh, white perch on. You could have a small little walleye, and those boards will go rocketing back. Only problem was is that, you know, learning curve. Me and my buddy are out there pulling two-ounce bottom bouncers. They go rocketing back. Uh, well, they do when you have a big fish on. The only yeah. problem is, and you'll find out when you go out there this year, when you go out and you're pulling crawler harnesses, which another lot of people are up in arms about crawlers or spoons or whatever. Um, it's kind of hard on those small boards when you're pulling a two-ounce bottom bouncer to see if you got a 12-inch walleye on. Right. Or a silver bass or yeah. a white perch. Yeah. So it makes it kind of tough. Learning curve. Me and my buddy reeling our lines. We're not getting bit. We had fish on every line. Ah. Didn't know it. Because those, those little fish aren't going to rock it back right. when you got a two-ounce weight and right. then you're pulling. So there's nothing wrong with the churches. I like them. Um, but the tattle flags that I got for, I think, Frank's, I uh, got them at the Ultimate Fishing Show. $69 or whatever. Two of them, tattle flags, got the releases. You pop them. Board falls behind. You don't have to clear every rod. It's great. Love it. Yeah. It's, it's you know, my wife, when we were, when I'd go to these fishing shows and things like that, you know, my hard sell on those was always like, well, you know, honey, I'm going to these fishing shows to save us money. Yeah. Because if I just go to yeah. Cabela's and buy, I got to buy them singly one by yep. one. I'm going to lose out on money. So when you go to these fishing shows, Frank's does a great job of doing it is they'll show up there and they've got these bundles. So it's like, you know, you get two boards and you get the tattle flags are all ready to yeah. go yep. and you get them for, you know, a, yeah. a really, really good price. So you can go there and you can buy your setup and walk out of there mm -hmm. knowing that a, you're, you're buying a good product, but B you're saving a ton of money and you're, yeah. you're set up ready and, to go. And it's awesome that they have that already set up with yep. the red pin and the yep. red, the red clipping back with the pin that yes. the board isn't going to come up. And then you got the orange. Right. I don't know the name or 18 or 16. I don't know which one's which, too. but the orange clip is the one that goes on front that doesn't have the pin. You right. just put a couple twists in the line, put it on there. When you, you get a big fish, it'll pop off and release on its own. Um, or you just give a little pop, you know, pop of the wrist real quick. Rod tip will snap it and that board will fall on back. And you got to wait. That's another thing is you got to wait a little bit and let that board clear out back before you start reeling. Right. Because you can, you can still get, get tangled up. Yeah. And those are always fun. <clears throat> okay, so we got kind of the setup, uh, yep. your pains that you went through on the boat. Yep. Um, let's talk about your method of how you started to catch fish successfully on Erie. Well, I really didn't get, I didn't have a whole lot of success when I first started trolling. Oh, that's um, honestly well, a bit. Yeah, well, I mean, you're not going to go out there every day. I mean, it, it is Erie. Everyone talks about it. There's going to be days where you struggle. It's, I mean, Michigan waters can be really goofy. 
you know, I mean, it doesn't matter. It can be, you can go out there one day. I mean, I'm, I, I know I've gone out there and had 30, 30 fish day, come back the next day and struggle to get a bite. Right. You know, it, it happens, but you can go out there for two weeks, three weeks. I mean, I think there was like 21, two years ago, I think I went 21 straight days, you know, trips out there with a limit. If I want it, you know what I mean? Right. Like you can go out there and it was nothing, you know, post spawn. It's great. But going out there to start, you're not going to go out there and light them up every day. It doesn't matter who you go with. You're, nothing is guaranteed going out there on the water. It's fishing. Not unless it's, you're it's, driving, putting on a lot of miles. Yeah. And that's one thing you can go out of Ohio waters. And if you got the boat to do it, and if you're not on a bite where you want to get set up in Huron, you know, if you want to fish, you know, 40 foot of water, 35 if you're not getting bit around there, you're driving around. That's another thing I can touch on is the electronics. Huge. Um, but if you're, dri- you know, you're not marking fish where you're at, you, well, you can drive to the islands. Right. You can drive to Cedar Point. You can go to Catawba yeah. or, or go to Lorraine or go to Cleveland. There's so many different places. There's a lot more territory out there to cover. Sure. You know, where we're kind of limited. We're especially, We're like in a funnel. Yeah. I mean, it's when it's great, it's great. And when it's slow, it's slow. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. It, and it's it's one of those things it's not really like you can plan a trip well, i need to hit michigan waters on this date right ohio there you can get fish like i said if you're not getting bit somewhere you can drive there and get there so michigan waters you know it's kind of trial and error and when i got bit i tried to remember how i got bit what it was when i first got the boat i want to say it was after we were up at gogebic i think with the little beta knock i think well i seen you up there you had ordered your boat and you yeah were ready, yeah and yeah then that go. was i want to say like the last week in february early march early march and then uh i think when we came back i think i picked it up so i kind of missed the trolling bite um like i didn't miss it but the trophy the pre-spawn yeah. uh the tournaments i was in so you know a lot of the fishing was post-spawn blade bait jigging doing that thing and i'd had some guys that held my hand uh, my buddy chad that i used to work with um you know he'd tell me some tips i'd work with him like you know give him Hey, I did okay here, did bad here, try this, try that, try. And you found out what worked. When you go out there and struggle, you know what you're doing for a half hour, you're not catching fish, and you change it up in that cadence, blade baiting, where I was just being aggressive and ripping it off bottom, and you feel that action, you feel it vibrate, pulling it up, and you wait for it on tight line to hit bottom. As soon as you feel that little tick of hitting bottom, I'd lift it up. Well, you get some other guys on the boat, and one guy has two or three fish, and you don't have nothing. You kind of see what he's doing. I just kind of look over there as he's, you know, as he's jigging. And what it is, most of the time, it's just your cadence of doing it. You know, little rip six inches off bottom, and that's what it is. And nine times out of ten, it's just a, a cadence for jigging. Trolling. Before we go on to trolling, real quick, when you're throwing those blade baits, mm-hmm. anyone going out there, what are some ounce sizes that they should have in their boat? Obviously, it's based on wind, yes. uh, current, and things like that. Are you at half ounce, three-eighths? Or are you going uh, lighter than that? Or are you just, what are you doing? I tend to go on the heavier side. I mean, it's a lot like jigging the river. A lot of people... You know, the newbies, everyone tells them on the river, one ounce, you know, stick with one ounce is easiest. It's still one of the easiest ways to feel the bottom, to know what's going on. Yeah. I got one ounce and three quarter ounce jigs I use for the Detroit River. Erie, um, my hair jigs are anywhere from five eighths to, I don't know if I have any ounce. I think it might be half ounce to three quarter. I don't think I have anything super heavy because, I mean, if you need a one ounce out on Erie, it's for my boat i'm not fishing right <laughs> yeah, i mean it's and you're not and that's the thing like uh you want to cover ground when you're blade bait fishing and that's that could be a whole nother subject but i'll just touch on it when you're blade baiting what i'll do is you just want about 0.8 mile an hour to maybe you could splash up you know you watch your graph splash up to maybe 1.2 
yeah. one mile an hour. Anything lower than that, I might get on my Trova electric motor and mm. hit cruise control at you know point eight, point nine. You just want to cover ground. You want to have it bent. You want to. You don't want to sit if you're not getting bit. You want to cover a little ground, but you don't want to go too fast, right? And have that line all the way out the side. So uh, uh, there's some good spots anywhere with stru- any reef complex, anything like that, anywhere with structures or the bottom changes. You know that's. Uh, going with electronics that, that's i'd say that's one of the things that helped me the most is when i've been out there on the boat and i got it dialed in and watching videos talking to people how they dial it in um there's a ton of stuff i i run hummingbird there's a ton of things that youtube channel for hummingbird is excellent and i encourage anyone that has a hummingbird unit uh, especially the helix series series and they're starting to get into the i believe it's the solace yep solace they cover everything under the sun. Um, I'm really excited to get into like the zero chart, the auto chart live. Yeah. I wish I would have gotten that so often as much as I troll around the same, pretty much the same area. I would have had everything covered. I mean, I would have had <laughs> everything covered by now. So I, I would say with starting out to start jigging, it's a lot of the reef complexes, the bottom structure, figuring out where the bottom's at, anywhere they're going to spawn. Um, and shallow has been tough. I haven't, haven't had a lot of luck, but I mean, there's places down by Toledo light goes up to eight foot of water anywhere along the mommy shipping channel, Sure, turtle Island. I mean, there's, it's not a specific spot or a GPS waypoint. There's just anywhere they're spawning. You're going to be able to have success out there with a a blade bait and a jig. And it's, it's really useful going out there in any kind of muddy water. Yep. Dirty water conditions with that blade bait vibrating. Yep. And I was going to ask you about that. You know, that's yep. one thing, the blade bait. You're not just cat. You're not just whipping out blade baits for yep. no specific reason. You're you're throwing it in muddy, murky yep. water. So that way it gives off those yep. vibrations for those yep. fish to pick up on those and, with the lateral lines. I talked about having my brother-in-law and my nephew out there uh, last year. And, you know, they'd never done it before. And there's a lot of people that have heard about people doing it. Yeah. But you don't realize how much fun it is. And I'm not going out there and nailing massive fish right you're getting those males the eater style the eater type fish and you're catching a lot of them right it can be pretty quick action so you're just going out there and drifting along having fun relaxing you don't have to stay vertical you know whoever's boat it is doesn't have to get on the trolling motor and keep your line vertical up and down and you're not getting snagged at all you know what i mean that's great (laughs) oh yeah that's one way to get frustrated i'm telling you i think i fished the river three times last year yeah. And it was because I couldn't get out of Erie because it was blown too hard. Uh-huh. If I had my choice, if I hit the river, I'll do it on the week. The weekend, no go for me. I mean, I'll, I'll do it if I haven't been out fishing in a while. But it, it's jigging the lake for me. It's smart, man. Get away from so the much. It's so much. And the fish typically are bigger that you're jigging up with blade baits and hair jigs. It's right. great. So finding fish, blade baiting, it's kind of a, you're not going out in the middle of nowhere. You know, you're not going out in the middle of bay like you can pulling crankbaits or going out towards the state line or right. It's kind of a something to do with structure and bottom hardness. I mean, it's there's very few spots that I've found on my own um, blade baiting. Uh, it's kind of a community type spot. It's nothing super special. It's something like I said I've been doing since I was a kid, so yep. kind of know the general areas. That's uh, you know, and then you know, getting into the trolling aspects of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the important thing to drive home is, I mean, for the most part, folks know how to do pull crawler harnesses mm-hmm. and bottom bouncing. And it's cheap. It's cheap. It's an easy way to, you know, feel the bottom. You don't mm-hmm. have to worry too much about depth. Anything will bite a crawler. Anything will bite a crawler. You know, you just be smart about when you're using the live baits and, or the spoons or all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But so I think 
more particular to Erie, especially that's when you can really learn how to pull crankbaits. I, I think this, the hardest thing for me to learn when I came out was trolling with crankbaits. Yeah. And it's intimidating. Yeah. It's something that I never did. Um, fishing Erie was really trolling. I only did that with other people that would ask me to go out fishing with them. You you can't troll from shore, you know, (laughs) unless you plan on running or something. You know what I mean? You're casting. I mean, that's it. Right. So that was something that, you know, I was a lot of buddying up to people, you know what I mean? Asking, Hey man, you mind going with your, you know, teach me something, you know? Um, so that was a lot of watch. I mean, I'm a YouTube fanatic. I'll go on there and I'll watch anything. Anyone wants to put up on fishing Erie, I'll watch it. I don't, you know, walleye fishing, I'll, I'll watch anything, you know? Yeah. So seeing what people talk about, I mean, people that you've had on your podcast and stuff, even long before that, you know, it's any point, any deep break, you know, sharp break, anything like that, any kind of structure, bottom changes, like I mentioned, you know, with blade baiting, anything that's going to hold fish, hold bait, you know, you got shoreline all around here. You know what I mean? You can go up to Estro Beach, you know, you can go up to Stony Point, you can go around Breast Bay, you got, you know, the coal burner, they got the rock wall. Right. Um, Luna Pier. I mean, then you got everything in Catawba, Huron, Sandusky, all, I mean, all the islands, you got all that, all that structure and drop offs and break offs right there. I mean, it's, it's, it holds fish. It does. It may not be right where you're at that point, but you got to use your electronics. And that's one of the things that I found on my boat. One of the th- one of the, my best memories I ever have of finding fish that I wasn't looking for. You know, I was looking for walleye, but it wasn't where I was at. I was, I wanted to get somewhere else. Right. So I'm taking uh, one of the guys we went to high school with, Chris Rupert. Yeah. Taking him out there with me. Take him out maybe once or twice a year. I wanted to fish down in Luna Pier. Launch out of bowls. Take a sh- take a drive on down. And I'm doing 25 or 30, and I got it set up to where I can mark fish 20 to 30 mile an hour. You know, if, as long as they're off bottom, you get them something up in the water column. I can mark, I can tell you if it's a walleye. I can tell you what's going on. I can tell you if I'm marking fish or not. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to see bait, but if it's a big, big enough fish, you know, any a walleye, I'm going to, I'm going to mark it. We're talking, we're excited. We're going out there just cruising. And uh, he's talking to me and I'm looking at my sonar. I'm looking at my graphics. I'm going, I'm marking some fish, marking some fish. And, He's still talking. He's. I'm, I'm just waiting for him to get done talking. I'm like, hey man, I go. I know. I know. I told you we're gonna go fish over here, but I go. I'm a fool if I don't stop. Right. And I gotta try it. So we set lines and first pass. I think we pulled one. So I was like, all right. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't for nothing. Turn back around. You start putting a program together, and that's that's one of the things is you don't just go out there and say, yeah. Run them all at 50. You got to spread them out. Well, another thing is walleye feed up. Right. So if you're marking fish 17 feet, you know, I'll start and I'll look at precision trolling data app. That's yeah. a must. <clears throat> Along with having your line counters, you know, your reels calibrated, have that on there and, you know, set your lines, you know, 17, 16, 15, whatever. You got another guy in the boat. You can kind of mix it up a little bit. Well, that's what I want to get into was like, so, you know, you know, someone's go- who's going to come to Erie for the first time, they start to see those fish. Mm-hmm. You know, they go to their tackle box and they're trying to figure out, okay, what kind of crankbaits am I going to throw? Am I going to yeah, throw that's, flicker shit? I mean, there's so, I mean, you I, can I go think, broke doing that. Exactly. And I think the best method is, like you said, find a program. So on this side of the boat, if you're running reef runners, throw reef runners. This side of the boat, if you want to do husky jerks, throw husky jerks. Yeah. And, you know, start playing with those depths. You, yeah. s- you see where your fish are at. I mean, this is when you really start to break it down. Yep. And, you know, I think the number one thing is people who never trolled crankbaits before is how do I get my crankbait down to that depth? One, obviously we talked about earlier is, you know, make sure that line counters dead on and, yeah. and, and, and calibrated correctly. 
Two is now you got to figure out at what speed are your crankbaits specifically going to get down to where you want them to be. Yeah, and they're tuned. And if they're tuned. Yeah. So uh, the, pre- the Precision Trolling Data app um, is probably the best, one of the best things that's come to the palm of our hands. There was always a book on it, and then they put it into an app. Fisherman's Bible, yep. Yep, and Fisherman's Bible. And then now, you know, at first I think it's like, you know, whatever, it's 100 bucks. Yeah, $99 lifetime package. Or you can spend... I think it's like a couple bucks for a specific lure. Right. Pay the hundred bucks. Yes. Because it's, you got it for life because the bandit's not that old and that's mainly what we use around here. Right. For the most part. Yeah. I mean, Husky Jerk's still real popular. I got 12s, I got 14s, mm-hmm. P10s, and bandits. Yes. Those are what I use, I will say, 95% of the time. Bandits right. I'm using probably 70% of the time. They're just, uh, they're popular, they put fish in the boat, they work. Yeah. P10s have a time and place. Husky Jerk's, they work just as well as bandits but right. I, I have more faith in it yeah and then again this is like anybody who fishes erie this is what they're gonna any erie fisherman is gonna have all these these colors. crank baits and colors and these sizes <laughs> in their boats but this is where you can start to play with like you know start off with something yeah. easy like if you're intimidated by the bigger crank baits, start off with like uh you know a flicker minnow yeah, or no, something like that words out of my mouth because you don't it's not like you need this color you need that bait the right. biggest thing i can tell you for someone getting in new into it, and I've spent way, I, was, I spent a ton of money on crankbaits yeah. and stuff that hasn't even hit the water yet that I've had for three, four years. Right. You know, it's because, ah, oh, it caught me, didn't catch the fish. Right. Is if you want to get into bandits, I would say if you're coming out to Erie, if you got flicker minnows, that's great. The, they catch fish. I got buddies that rely on them. You know, they work great. Bandits put in a lot of work. You know, they put a lot of time in out there. I would say your stock colors, I still use the stock colors. I would say, Last year, we're probably out there, I'd say, about 90 to 95% of the time. Right. You know, stock Wonder Bread, Blue Chrome. Doesn't yeah. matter. Reef Runner. I mean, Reef Runners are great, too. Yeah. Uh, runners, I, I don't yep. use I, I use the Little Rippers uh, post-spawn in the summer. Right. Great little bait. They put fish in the boat, but that's not time and place for it. Blue Chrome is going to be, right off the bat, great for Erie. Wonder Bread's great. There's a lot of good stock bandit colors. You can get, there's some really good custom colors, too, that for whatever reason they work, or I have faith in them, but... I don't go overboard buying baits. No, you, need, you, you no, you need to figure out have you, a variety. You know, but you need to yeah. get really good at getting the getting to the depths that you want to get at. Yes, that's the hard part. Yeah. I mean, color will come to you. I mean, that's one of the last things to worry about. Exactly. On the list. It's yeah, so far down. Yeah, so that's what I'm trying to tell folks. So like, far down. Don't get so hung up. You're like, I gotta have that color, and you blow you know, $12 on a custom bait or whatever it is, or even more than that, you, you better figure out how yeah. to troll the thing how first. Many, how many people have said it? And Lance was, I mean, Lance yeah. still says it now. You know, uh, what is it? He'd rather have the right shape and the wrong color than the right color and the wrong shape. Right. Flicker shed. Just started messing with flicker sheds this fall. Right. Because every, about every fish I was pulling this fall, I mean, it was, this fall was great on Erie. Mm-hmm. Every fish had, you know, uh, five to seven inch shad in it. Right. It's like, ah, Screw it. Put right. one on. Yeah. First time I ever had it. Halloween. It's one of my favorite colors. Custom color. They had it. Sold me. Got it. Why not? It's one. And the flicker sheds and any, even the flicker minnows are really cheap compared to bandits. Oh, especially yeah. customs. Yes. So I was like, what the hell, man? Toss it on. Didn't even get the board on and got bit. Yep. First time putting it in the water. Yeah. Flicker shed. So I was like, right then and there, I was like, yeah, I got faith in it. You know what I mean? So it was, it was great. So it's not a, it's not something where you need to have a certain bait. Is If you got... Uh, the thunder sticks, the deep thunder sticks, the junior thunders. I mean, I, I don't even know if that's the right name. The I got a couple of them from Storm that are pretty good. You don't have to have the most popular bait that right. everyone else is catching on. If you got something that's around the same 
a bay rat. You know, popular bay rats are pretty popular out in Ohio waters and whatnot. They work. They put fish in the boat. You just got to keep that bait in front of their face. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's, the, a, that's the most important speed, thing. Speed, speed play depth, with your speed. Yep. You know, what you want to get really good at is being efficient. And you, you want to have it down to a method. So you're like, okay, on this side, I'm running, you know, these colors. Or, or I'm not worried about the colors. I'm running these uh, crankbaits. Uh, this far back, and I know it's going to put me down to whatever depth I'm fishing, 19 yeah. feet, because yeah. the fish are at 22 feet. Yep. So they're going to feed up, and I know that this is where I want to be. Yeah. It, but you've got to be able to do it fast with you know three lines out one side, and then yeah. you know you've got to be efficient of how you put them out there. You can't yeah. have a tangled up mess. You can't worry about oh shit, did I put that one out too far? You know what I mean? So in the way you how will you put them out there? You right. know, is your deep line furthest out? Is your deep line furthest in? You know, it's right. The people have different ways of doing it. Right. Me, I want my my deepest line, my longest lead. Right. Furthest out. That's the way I do it. Yeah. It's a lot easier that way. You don't have your longest lead inside. It's easy to retrieve that way too. Yes. That's I agree with that. That's yes. the method I do. Yes. Um. So there. Yeah. So if anyone coming to Erie, that's the kind of thing that you want to start practicing on, even if it's in your home body of water. Yeah. Don't go out with the mind. What, what I want folks to kind of get in their mind is go out and practice without the intentions of catching fish before coming over to a big body of water like Erie. Yeah. Go out, get your method down, know where you're, you know, how you're going to set things up, practice on a smaller body of water. So when you get to Erie and you're out on bigger bodies of water, I mean, you got a lot more to worry about, you know. Um, you know, this is a new body of water. You've never been here before. You're yep. paying attention to the weather. You're trying to look at your graph to see the fish all the time. Yep. Go out on a body There's of water. There's a lot water. of things that come into play. There's a lot of things that come into play. You know, you got to make sure, you know, have your GPS on. You know where you're at at all times. Keep a keep an eye on the weather. Yep. So the last thing that you have to worry about is how deep are my crankbaits? Because yep. that should come second nature to you if you have your program down yeah. by the time you get I mean, here. It, if I'm on the graph and, and I'm looking, I start graphing fish, I got bait. And you can kind of see where the bait's at. You see where the fish is at. Okay, right off the bat. Okay, they're at 15 feet. That's going to be my longest lead. Right. You know, that's going to be my, as deep as I run. Sometimes I'll run deeper if I'm not getting bit. Sometimes I won't. But uh, another thing is, especially in the spring, and last year I kind of screwed myself. The the big fish tournament, the Dom Cot Dwarfs, you know, I, I was committed to fishing down south and dirty water because I was marking great marks. I mean, just... I got them saved on my phone. You yeah. know I mean, it, it must have been a tuna down there. So, uh, you know what I mean? They're, they were massive. Or a chassis. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? They're, they're massive. The big, I mean, in the springtime, you have the thaw, and there's so many little creeks in Michigan waters. Yeah. Rivers, little creeks that run off, Stony Creek, Sandy Creek, River Raisin, uh, the Detroit River flowing on down, major current coming on down. And then you got the Maumee River coming on down, you know, and Plum Creek and all the other ones down south. When you get all that thawing, I mean, this winter we didn't really have a lot. There's not going to be a whole lot pushing out towards right. the river. It's going to be dirty. Uh, further south you go, mm-hmm. it'll clean up from the river on down, especially any wind or any rain you get. If you get an east wind, the whole shoreline is going to be mud pretty much. Right. First thing to clean up is going to be further north. So it's great to go on the modus imagery and look on there, and you can kind of see. And honestly, that kind of helps too looking to see where the clean water is and the dirty water, and you can kind of see these eddies that come around off of different points and you can honestly see the current seams in the lake right you know with um where the you look at it day to day and you got to have a clear day no clouds but you can look on there and you can kind of see like you know stony points one of the biggest ones like you go around stony point you can have clean water and there will be a mud line i'm telling you man it is like night and day you can go one side of the boat to the other 
and it's clean, clear water. You can see two foot yeah. down, and the other side is chocolate milk, like Nesquik. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say to people who's never who've never been here before. It's like you, it's not something that you then have to be in a satellite or airplane to see. You're literally no. standing on the you bow of your boat yeah. and see it, and it looks like what the hell am I driving yeah. into here? You know, you think you're going in a super yeah. shallow water or something, but yeah. you're not. And you know, and getting back to like where I would start, um, you know, someone that's never been here, look on modus imagery. Um, you toss a link or something like that, and I don't have it right off the top of my head what it is. I have it saved on my phone. Um, you can go on there, and it'll show like the past couple days. You know, it saves it right on there. Right. Um, you can click on there, and you can kind of see where the clean water is. You can get the landmarks. You know, yeah. you can see the Fermi. You can see down south. It'll show even Ohio waters, everything, you know. And you can kind of see the areas where it's clean, where you want to start. You know, if it's up towards Estro Beach, the state line, you know, down south, you know, out towards the islands, whatever. Yeah. And you can kind of see where you'd want to start. So when you get out there in the morning, you kind of have a starting area, you know, where you might want to go, but it's kind of hard to see until the sun gets up about 10, 1030, maybe 11 in the spring, where you want to go. You know what I mean? Once that sun gets up, it's kind of hard to tell until you're right there. Right. You know, but driving, once you're up on plane, if you're searching for fish or something like that. Then another thing is, you know, if if I haven't been out there, if, you know, I'm, with my schedule, I'll go out solo quite a bit. You know, I'm out, I'm out on the lake pretty damn often. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd... I know there's people that fish more than me that are guiding and whatnot, but for your average angler, I'm out there pretty damn often. I'm envious. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's right at my back door. Uh, man. You know what I mean? It's literally right there. So I if, know, I, if I get out of work, I mean, I'm not sitting around waiting for someone else to do something. I can hook up to my boat. I can be out on the lake in 15 minutes. Right. So going out there by myself, if I haven't been out in a while, the first thing I'm doing is driving around, doing that 20 to 30 mile an hour finding fish because i'm not going to set up get everything set and it, it's a process of getting oh, yeah. rod oh, yeah. set lines going trolling motor down kicker going speed set and fishing takes a bit yeah, and yeah. if you're doing that and you're not catching fish you're not marking anything it's, you're wasting time you know i'll go around and drive around until i mark fish mark bait especially in shallow because that, that cone angle it's just like ice fishing your cone angle is only so wide sure and the shallower water you were in, the less of an angle, you know, the yeah. wider that beam's going to be. So if I'm marking bait, I don't even have to mark fishing. If I'm, especially in the spring. Hang this, there. This last spring, we were in like eight foot of water. Right. Trolling. And, it was awesome. And that's kind of the subject I kind of want to end the podcast on is, you know, I'm just, anybody listening to this, our weather or our quote unquote winter lack thereof here in mm -hmm. Michigan this year, it's at least the Southern half of the state. Um, ice fishing has almost been non-existing. So None. it's been a warm winter for us. Um, like Freddie was saying, he's been fishing and everybody, a lot of the locals and anybody around this area, kind of the diehard area guys, I mean, they've been fishing all winter long. Jan I mean, December, January, February. Um, we're into you know mid-February right now. And you know, my suggestion for anybody wanting to come down this way or try Erie for the first time, it's not a bad time of year to try it because you don't no. have to go super deep and you don't have to go super far to get fish. Yeah. Like you were just saying that eight foot bot or eight foot. Um, yeah. that, that, that's that's a, a time and place, but sure. But I'm just saying they don't no, have yeah. to venture way out miles no. out from shore Six, to get this time of year until from right now until even really couple weeks after post spawn i mean 16 18 foot you right. can knock them dead yep you, now you can also go out to 23 25 sure. feet but you don't have to have the kicker motors you know do, right. start out one mile an hour and go up to one five maybe one right. six something like that you know mess around with it, it i mean i don't want to ever say that there's not you know you just always got to be aware of weather on erie but yeah. this time of year 
you have pretty calm days. You know what I mean? That's you're not getting huge weather changes for the most part. It's staying cold enough for the weather to kind of, and the winds to kind of be predictable. Um, so it's a good time of year to go out, figure out. And the bonus part of all of that is this time of year, you have a really good chance of catching a huge fish. Absolutely. And they're doing the, all the big fish have migrated. I mean, there's the videos out there, the migration of all the fish that are just stacked up over there by the islands and the reefs. Yep, they're coming. They're off of like Port Clinton and Catawba and all that. You know, they're coming. And they're, I mean, you've seen it. We catch some, we catch some big fish over here too, man. Yep. So, well, good, man. I think uh, that's a great spot to end it. I think uh, anybody coming to Erie or um, a similar type of body of water, it's a great way to, you know, just listening to this podcast of things that the information that you gave us alone is a good starting point. One. You're gonna blow a bunch of money on fishing rods that hopefully uh, you've you, you've saved them now from. Yeah, I, I quit buying crankbaits. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, as I say, it's more of an addiction. Yeah. But you know, um, I think anybody who goes and follows you on social media, um, you're this time of year, I and mean, you know, in, in post spawn, you're posting massive fish and. Um, for the most part, you know, Freddie's pretty honest and open and, you know, he's, he'll tell you, you know, what's working for him. And if you have questions, I'm sure they can DM you or write you or anything. I got no problem pointing someone in the right direction. Yep. So, all right, man. Well, Hey, thanks for letting me hang out in your living room. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm all amped up to go fishing. Yeah, no, I got to (laughs) get, get me out there once I get all settled in. It'll make it happen. We'll make it happen, man. All right, bud. Thanks. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, if you listen to that episode thoroughly all the way through, There should have been a lot of great tips that you guys picked up uh, during that conversation I had with Freddie. I want to thank Freddie for coming on the podcast. Make sure you guys go follow him over at uh, Fred Wiki on Instagram. And that's just F-R-E-D-W-I-C-K-Y and just Fred Wickenizer on Facebook. And I'll uh, link to him in the show notes as well. But if you listen throughout that episode... Fred starts to throw out a lot of great information with crankbaits, the different crankbaits that he has in his boat that works for him, um, some of the even some of the colors and things like that. And if you can start to pick up some of these cranks when you're out and you've got a, a little bit of extra cash in your pocket, you can start to add this to your arsenal, start to put your game plan together. So if you fish a big body of water like Erie uh, or Erie itself, you're going to be prepared and ready to go and you can start dialing in your method and or your program of what's going to be successful. So when you get out in the water, you can just focus on A, being safe and uh, B, then catching the fish. But thanks again, Fred, for coming on and thank you all for listening and we'll catch you here next time.